Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Today I want to talk to you about the pursuit that the world is in the middle of and that the warning needs to come to the church that you and I don't get caught up in that same thing. And it's not as easy as you might think to say, okay, now I'm with the Lord, now I'm going this way, and I know it's not lo- no longer that way, but, I, but you'd be surprised to know that it's a struggle. It gets on us. We have to battle back the, the false uh, direction and pursuit because what the world would try to tell you is that the end of the rainbow is not there. It is a pursuit of emptiness. It's not real. And it's deceptive enough to put people on this pathway to nowhere. You and I have been rescued by the Lord. We've been granted the gift of life, eternal life. It is a gift that God has given us. So we've been rescued into something that releases us from emptiness, puts us into the things of God. It is an awesome salvation. If we have God, we have everything. And, and things that need to come into your life, God will make sure it gets there at the right time, in the right place, through the right means. But God's in charge. God knows who we are, where we're going, what we need, he's God. And so, but this pursuit of emptiness is so prevalent, it's so real, it has so much energy and so much effort put into it that you and I are like, maybe we should perhaps a little, and we we get taken off track. I wanna warn you today that there is a culture in the world that is saying there's one way to happiness and it's not that way. It's not God. It's not your Jesus thing. It's this way. But that is a deception. It says in John, the 10th chapter, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I have come that they might have life. And those should all be capital letters there. Capital L, capital I, capital F, E. Life and have it to the full. You know, uh, King James Version says, more abundantly. It's talking about the real kind of life, the life that is filled with God, filled with excitement, filled with adventure, filled with promise, filled with hope. It's real life. It's not just existence. It's not just sustaining. It's not just, it's just trying to get through, trying to get by, it's real life. This is salvation. And in God, if I have the Lord in me, everything that's in God, I have. All of the, all of the nature of God, his goodness, his, his power, his creation, his, his love, that comes into me. I have everything in me if I have God in me. Can you say amen? amen. There's nothing more that you can add to me to give me anything that I already don't already have in God. And so in Matthew... Jesus says this in chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. You do not have to run like the pagans do. Amen? But seek first his kingdom 
and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. But I believe sometimes we in the body of Christ, we get swept back into the thinking that we need to get back into that gerbil wheel, get back into that rat race, get back into you know, producing and, and, and making things happen ourselves when in fact our salvation should take that pressure off. I'm not pressured to achieve. I'm not pressured to find happiness. I'm not pressured to, to, to go somewhere. I, I feel like I will go there and be there and get there with God on time. I don't want the pressure. Can you say amen? I need the peace. I need the joy. Amen. You know, patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Are you patient? No, I have to get there and I have to get there now. Hold on. Hold on. Get a hold of God. You do not have to run like the pagans do. God wants to bless your life. God wants to give you things. God knows what you need before you even ask. Can you say amen to that? God knows what you need before you even ask. And, and, and God is a wise God. He's not a stingy father, but he's also wise. He's not just going to heap stuff on you that will kill you that will stumble you, that will be no good for you. It's a good thing you have a wise father. So I need to give over my life to the wisdom of God because God will get you the right stuff, the right guy, the right girl. No amens on that. Sorry. <laughs> but believe me when I tell you, it takes wisdom. This takes wisdom. But the world idolizes these things that, 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 that are way up at the top. Fame, fortune, you know, status, achievement. These things are idolized by the world. And so we, are, we idolize billionaires. We idolize movie stars. You know, we, we idolize uh, sports figures that have achieved the highest realm. We idolize them. We make idols out of them. And so what happens is this starts to become the way culture processes what is real life. Real life, I mean real happiness is if you're a billionaire. I might never be a billionaire, but at least I know where happiness comes from. I'm going to head in that direction. Well, hold on a second. How do you know that billionaire is happy? Well, because he's an icon. He's an idol. We, we, we lift him up, and we know that if you're going to get anywhere where true happiness, you need to have a billion dollars, or at least a million, or something, several hundred million. When it's not true. It's not true. It does not bring you fulfillment. It will not bring you to the pinnacle of life, the pinnacle of happiness, the pinnacle of anything. But they are idols. And those idols leak down on us, even as a congregation of believers, those idols leak down on us to where the, only the icon, only the icon matters. You know, and, and I might not say it outright, but in my heart, I sort of process how I view life in light of the icon. Well, let me give you, for instance, let's say one of you says, uh, well, we went out to dinner the other the other night with, with a guy that makes $50,000 a year, you'd go, and so? 
Who cares? You know, stop talking. Don't need to hear the rest of it. Don't care. But if you said, we went out to dinner the other night with somebody who makes $200 million a year. Everybody's all ears. No kidding. <laughs> what, 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 what was he like? What did he say? What did you guys talk about? What did he have? What did he, who, who, what did he do? Who paid for the meal? You paid for the meal. Isn't that true? That's why he has $200 million. You paid for the meal. It's how we process life. We, we want the icon that's important to us. Somehow we process or we, we include that in the calculus as to what makes life. When, and Jesus is saying, I am life. Here's your calculus. Me plus nothing equals everything. You know, if, uh, if you say, uh, yeah, we went out to dinner the other, the other night with uh, the top lawyer in all of Pawtucket Avenue. Everybody would go, I, I thought you were going to say the top lawyer in the entire East Coast. <laughs> He's not even the top lawyer in the entire East Providence. <laughs> we don't need to hear about it. See, we always, we always want to know about the top. You know, our student was the top student in the entire state. Our student, was, our, our, my son achieved the top. We, we always want to include that in the calculus of what makes us something. Church, it's on us. It's in us. We haven't yet shed that thinking to say, wait a second, now that I have Christ, I don't have to be the top anything. I don't have to be a billionaire or a millionaire. I don't have to be anything. And, 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 and it's not that a million dollars is bad or, or good. If God is, is walking with me in whatever way we go, I know God is going to bless me. Amen? Because I know a lot of Christian millionaires. God bless them. God bless them. I know a lot of top lawyers on Pawtucket Avenue. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know? We need to take that out of the calculus of how we process what matters. What brings happiness? What brings fulfillment? And, 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 and if it's on me, it'll get on my kids. If really what matters to me is money, it will get on my kids. If really what matters to me is achievement, it'll get on my kids. I can't be home any day or any hour during the week because I'm serving you. You know? Okay, Dad. All right. But is it true? Are we demonstrating that's not real? Something that's not real? You know, I, I call some people like the evangelists of the untrue. They, they want you to believe in something that's not true. Somebody says, um, you know, um, we went to this mountaintop retreat in, uh, in Montana. It was the most amazing setting in the world. We had, every morning, we had our coffee in the hot springs, the salt hot springs. And as we had our coffee, we just looked down over the valley at the Colorado River. I don't know if it's Colorado's in Montana. <laughs> Go with me on this. We looked down over the Colorado River. It was so beautiful and majestic. And the, and the buffalo were just ranging out there and grazing. And it was, every morning was so picturesque. What they're really trying to say is, wouldn't you want that? And what you get out of it is like, I want that. I want that. Honey, we need to go on a vacation. Wow, I was just listening to this liar telling me all about Montana. Everything is not true. See, I'm a little bit more of a skeptic because I might ask a question like, 
wait a second, on, in Montana at that time, isn't there a lot of uh, gnats and flies, especially around the buffalo? <laughs> oh, yeah, there, there were a lot of gnats and flies. We had to wear a mosquito net. Okay. Well, then how'd you drink your coffee? Oh, we had to. <laughs> Weren't there flies and gnats in your coffee? See, see I, 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 might, I might try to say, your little slice of Facebook lie is not something I'm going to buy into. You're an evangelist of the untrue. <laughs> You're selling me a package that I'm not so sure the whole truth is being told here. It's a little tiny sliver of something that you're trying to... And, and, and what happens is people start to, get, they start to have one story after another that's better than the next. And, and, and I'm not just saying Facebook, but seriously, if you look at Facebook, you think you're nothing and these people have it together. I mean, they, they have the best chocolate, chocolate chip, double chocolate, chocolate drizzle muffin in the world you've ever had. Oh, my goodness. But see, I say this. Listen, the Lord is the one who made the mountains. He made the rivers. He made the, you know, he made the, the, the buffalo. And he, I had coffee with him this morning in my kitchen. <laughs> there was no flies in my coffee, and I was talking to the Lord himself who made those mountains that you were, can you say amen? amen? And I'm not saying I don't want a vacation in Montana because I'll go, but I will go with the Lord. I will go with the Lord, and I will be blessed and happy because I'll be with the Lord. So I might have a few flies. I might have a few gnats. It might rain a little bit. You know what? I'm with the Lord. Can you say amen? Amen. I need to stick there because that's my salvation. I can't get back over there where you are telling me how great it is because I don't think that's really that great. Honestly, I think it's empty. I think that's where you're going. Matthew chapter 7 says this, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many Enter through it. There's many people on it. It's broad. It's wide open. Everyone's talking the same crap. Can you say that in church? <laughs> Can we get the media team to edit that out? That will not be on our... <laughs> but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. Capital L, capital I, capital F, A, life. And only a few find it. But broad is the road, and many voices, and everyone's saying the same thing, and it gets on us. It leaks on us. It's, it gets to the point where I say, you know what? They can't all be wrong. I mean, I, I, I'll maybe do some of that. I'll press for some of that. I'll go for some of that money. I'll go for some of that fame. I'll go for some of that achievement. I'll go, and I'll still be a Christian. I'll ser still serve the Lord. And I try to mix the two, and I bring that into the calculus of what I think is going to make me happy or successful in life. And that's what the Israelites did. They said, we will serve the Lord, but you can't not offer an offering to Baal because he's the God of fertility. He's the God of the fields. And so if you're going to have a good harvest, you better throw something Baal's way. And the Lord says, really? I didn't bring you to the verses where God says, wait a second, you take a piece of wood, you cut it in half, you, you put a bunch of shavings together and you make, this little, uh, you make this little wooden something. With all the shavings, you heat a fire 
and cook a steak on it and you eat and you're filled. With the other half, you worship it. God says, how silly is that? The very thing you made with your own hands and then burned in the fire, the other thing you think is going to be your God. He doesn't appreciate it. (laughs) He knows there's no competition. He is everything you'll ever need. Second Kings says this in the 17th chapter, even while these people were worshiping the Lord, they were serving their idols. And to this day, their children and their grandchildren continue to do as their fathers did. Here's the tragedy. What you really believe in your heart and how you really act is getting on your children and your grandchildren. It's getting on your children and then from then it'll get on their grandchildren. So if achievement means all that much, we had dinner the other night with a top lawyer, the top, 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 top. And the next thing you know, your kids are saying, yeah, and we got around Jimmy, who's the top, top, something, top, top. And, and I had, my, my student is the top student in all of western, southern Cumberland. <laughs> and the student is like, I got a D plus. Your values get on them. If all you think about or care about is money and achievement and all these other things, it's a pursuit of emptiness, all of your kids are going to say, we need to pursue emptiness too. There's got to be something there because you see it in dad and you see it in mom. You see that guy? He's got a Rolex. See that guy? He's got a Rolex. Yeah, dad, who cares? Who cares? He's not with his kids. He doesn't love the Lord. Amen? I wish sometimes the children would step, you know, step in there and tell dad, you know, come on, dad, get real. We want to see you happy. We don't want to see you pulled around by the nose ring of the devil. And I know I'm a millionaire, and I'll tell you a little story about them, but uh, all we talked about was money. They always wanted to know about the stock market and what your investments are in, and, and did you do this, and I sold a house, did you make money, did, we did this, we doubled, we flipped it, we did this and that, and the others... And, they, and the kids come and said, Dad, we sold the boat. Did you make money on that boat? Yeah, we made a lot of money on that boat. Good thing. Glad. Not, not, not how are you doing? What, what's going on? Just, did you make money on that boat? Yeah, Dad, we did. Good. But what happens is they got a little older, he got a little older, and they said to themselves, Dad is a little bit um, forgetful of things. So they hired some lawyers and said, the multi-millions that he has he's not really responsible for because he wants to give some money away to his, his friends, $200 here, pay for this guy's rent, you know, pay for that guy's mortgage. Once every you know, couple of months, he does something like that, which is totally irresponsible for a multimillionaire to do that. And so they got the judge to say, yeah, give the millions over to the kids. And the dad now is put into the nursing home True story. True story. And I have to applaud the kids. Yeah, you went for the millions. You did everything your dad taught you to do. Good for you. You got it. And the dad should too. Did you sell the dad? Good. (laughs) Aw. It gets on your children. It gets on your grandchildren. You're living a life right now that demonstrates your values. 
And we have to be careful that we're not in pursuit of emptiness because that will get on our children and our children's children. Solomon warns us in Ecclesiastes. He says in chapter 1, verse 2, he's the teacher here or the preacher, and he says, this is how he opens the lesson up, which, by the way, is, I, I'm going to try it sometime. <laughs> meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Let's pray. <laughs> he adds on later on, he says, a chasing after the wind. Vanity, vanity, meaningless, meaningless. Emptiness, emptiness, all is empty. Chasing after the wind. And then he lists all the different things that, that people do that's meaningless, which is really pretty powerful. But God uses Solomon as an example to show us in biblical terms, this is what extravagance can bring you. And so in chapter 2, he says this. Solomon says, I thought in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good or how good can it get. But that also proved to be meaningless. That also proved to be empty. And he goes on and he recounts it. And starting in verse 4, I undertook great projects. I built houses, really they're palaces, giant palaces he built, Solomon built. For myself, I planted vineyards, I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them, and I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. In other words, he, he, he built these giant cisterns that would have aqueducts that would go down to these forests of fruit trees that Solomon would plant to see what Solomon had. You know, uh, uh, the queen of Sheba said, the half has not been told about the kingdom down there in Jerusalem that Solomon had. He's the richest king to ever live. He's, he, he's, they, people say he's, he's richer than Elon Musk. <laughs> Over $200 billion. Gold stacked on top of gold stacked on top of gold. And he, he recounts it here. In verse 8. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. In other words, all of the kings in the provinces in the area were serving him and paying taxes to Solomon. And he amassed all this stuff. I acquired men and women singers and musicians and a harem as well. The delights of the heart of man. Now, this is kind of uh, politically correct here where he says, wink, wink, the delights of the heart of man. He had 700 wives. Nobody moves. All the husbands are like, he's a dope. <laughs> God is trying to say, how much extravagance is over the top? 700 wives. I mean, you can't handle one, but I'm just telling. But I did the math on this. If Solomon got married every Saturday, every week, 52 weeks a year, he would be at the wedding chapel for 13 and a half straight years saying the same thing, I do. And when I tell you, these just weren't ordinary women. These were, these were queens and, and princesses and people that were, you know, Solomon said, I'll take that one. Let's see. <laughs> Are you with me? And not only that, he had 300 concubines. I mean, we're up to 1,000 women here. This is the biblical way of saying Solomon had all the gold, all of the provision, all of the cattle, all of the wealth, all of the women. And Solomon says at the end of it, 
it was meaningless, all of it, a chasing after the wind. And he goes on to say, serve God. Be loyal to him. You know, if you look at the, some of the richest people that we know, or the most famous people that we know, if you look at the lives of celebrities, there's dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of them that have committed suicide. Tragic. And so many more on top of that that just have died from overdose. They just died of overdose. I, they, they, they got to the end of emptiness and they said, I'm out of here. I'm depressed. I'm suicidal. I'm empty. I'm out of here. And so many more that have just drowned themselves in drugs and in alcohol and wasted their lives and been divorced after divorce after divorce and and th their lives, really, if you look at them, this is the pinnacle of this pathway to emptiness. If you look at it, it's pitiful. It's sad, isn't it? But yet that culture of go after it, get it, have it, be famous, be wealthy, be something, gets on us when actually God says, no, no, I'll give you life and life more abundantly. I will give you the desires of your heart. I will shepherd you as a good shepherd. I'll protect you. I'll bless you. I'll map out your future. I'll give you a hope. I'll make you fruitful, productive, achieving. You don't have to be Michael Jordan. You can be you. Mighty in the eyes of God. It's an awesome thing. This is salvation. Be warned that you don't get caught up in the pathway of emptiness. Hebrews, the 13th chapter says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You do not have to be caught up in the love of money because I'm there. It's an interesting verse. It's basically saying, be free from the love of money because God will never leave you. You don't have to have this if you have that. You don't have to have this if you have him. Amen? You know, Jay Leno has 181 cars in his collection. He has all the oldest and the greatest and the most expensive and, and so forth and so on. He has 181 cars in his car collection, and he has 160 motorcycles. That I can see. The cars, not so much. $52 million is what his, he has this giant uh, airplane hangar place, thousands and hundreds of thousands of square feet, and he has a staff of mechanics and detailers and people that just keep these cars running and, and fixing them and, and working on them and polishing them and bringing them to car shows. $52 million worth of cars, and Jay Leno is not the, the, the best or the most uh, car uh, enthusiast. There's, there's a lot of others. There's some Saudi princes that just have hundreds of Rolls Royces. How much is too much? Does it bring happiness? Or is it, are, are we kind of coming under the spell of something untrue? You know, Nancy's grandmother, we used to sit and talk to her, and uh, she used to tell us, what is happiness? She said, uh, when I was a little girl, in Italy, um, the house had no central heat. 
And in the wintertime, it would get so cold in the house that the whole family would have to gather their stuff and go out to the barn where the animals were, the cows and the goats and things, because their body heat would throw off so much body heat that in the barn it was warmer than the house. And she said, we would pull the straw up around us as a family. We would pull all the hay up around us, and we would all snuggle together. She said, I thought that was happiness. She could remember the feelings of what it felt like to be there with her family in the barn smelling those cows. <laughs> what is happiness? Let me give you some things about what I believe are important in life. Okay. You don't have to be Michael Jordan. You don't have to be Elon Musk. You don't have to be president somebody. You can be you. But these things are important in life. Number one is your walk with the Lord. This is the most important thing in all of your life is your walk with the Lord. He's your best friend. He's your closest comfort. He loves you. He knows you. He's not afraid of you. He's not disappointed in you. He's awesome. And he's right there. He's with you in everything. No matter where it is you're at or what it is you're going through, the Lord is there and he loves you. And you might say, you know, but, but, but I'm mad at God every now and then. Well, God's probably mad at you every now and then. Huh? You ever get mad at your kids? No? You never got mad at your kids? No, I think I've actually felt God give me a crack every now and then and tell me to shut up and sit down. God doesn't talk to you like that, but I get it. When he talks to me like that, I get it. He loves me. That's my dad. Just told me to shut up and sit down. And he gave me one of these in the forehead. Bink. I get it, God. Your walk with the Lord is your closest friend. It's number one most important thing. Number two is your family. And let me tell you something. The Bible is filled from one cover to the other about family. The family is such a powerful thing that God designed and put together. You know that, that Moses was the, 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 the priest, the lawgiver in the Old Testament, but his brother Aaron was the high priest. It's his brother. And his sister was the prophetess to Israel. It was his sister, Miriam. Here they are together. It's family. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Esau. And Jacob makes up with Esau, and it's a beautiful thing, and God counts it in the Bible, shows us. And Joseph, who was betrayed by his brothers, but they all came back together. Family is so powerful in the Bible. Jesus had brothers that, that walked with him. But your family is, is not always easy, but you have to work on it because it's important. It will bring value to your life. You, you, you have to work on your relationship with your kids or your parents or your siblings. It's something that you have to work on because it's very powerful and it's important in life. But sometimes you don't have time for them because I'm too busy chasing emptiness. You don't understand. I'm almost there. I don't have time for that. I can't go there. I can't do that. I'm busy chasing emptiness. I'm almost completely out of energy. I don't have time for that. Your family's important. Can you say amen? You have to work on it, though. You have to work on it. Your friends, you can get along with. That's, number three is your church family. Your church family. We're supposed to be together in this thing. You know, it was never God's idea that people would drive from all over, come to a single place, and then leave right after that. But that we would make friends here. 
we would make friends. You know, we're not just tumbleweeds where we have no root system. We're supposed to be together in this walk with the Lord and in this work of the ministry that's here at Awakening Church in New England. But we're supposed to be together in this thing. I'm not saying you have to know every person in the church, but you have to be connected with some of your church family to be the church family. Can you say amen? But you have to work on that too. You have to work on it. You have to make time. You have to go to, you know, baby showers and, and wakes and funerals and hospital visits and, and, and bachelor parties and, and, and breakfasts and coffee. You have to work on it because it's very valuable. You want meaning in life. You want happiness. You want fulfillment. Start to plug into the things that are of God. Your church family is of God. And then friends as well. I'll tell you, you have to work on friendships. Nancy tells me all the time, friends, is wor- it's worth it to work on it. Because sometimes I'm a little bit more of a homebody than she is, so I was like, I don't want to go. She says, come on, let's work on this. Let's go. Let's, let's hang out. Let's go to dinner with them. Let's do this. Let's do that. She's always wanting to do everything until midnight. <laughs> like, hun, we've been with them. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> and then number four is your service to the Lord. And to, and to people, not just the Lord's people, but the Bible does say, uh, do good to all people, but especially the family of God. The, especially the family of God. But God's saying, come on, I want you to reach out to those that are in prison, or those that are poor, or those that need help, or those that need a, need a hand. I want you to reach out to them. It, 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 is, it is my servant, my service to the Lord. God, take my hands. You know, Jesus showed us, let me show you what to do. And he, he washes the feet of his disciples and he says, what I'm doing, you're going to do. God, use my hands. Use my life to serve people, to serve those you love. This is very, very vital. And in it and through it, you will gain strength. You will gain hope. You will gain vision. You will gain happiness. You won't be so miserable. Poke the person next to you. I want to give you four more things. Counsel. Number one, don't be in a rush. Some of you guys really need to hear this. Don't be in a rush. Don't always be in a schedule, in a pressure. I got to get there. I got to do this. I got to do this by hand. I got to go right there. I got to run over there. I got to get to Home Depot. I got to get to the thing. I got to get the rental thing. If I don't get it back by 4 o'clock, I'm going to go. Cutting off old people. Get out of the way. What are you, old? And the person's like this. Yes. What are you, nuts? I'm old. You're nuts. I'd rather be old. Do you know why old people drive slow? They're not in a rush. They live long enough to know I'll get there. You know, here, here you are, sweat beating down, going by a cop. Not the old guy driving by, <laughs> busted. Don't be in a rush. Number two, don't worry. Don't worry about anything. Well, you have to worry about some things, come on, yet. No, the Bible says don't worry about anything. I'm going to go with the Bible. Be anxious for nothing. God has it all under control. God knows what's going on. 
I believe God's heart is breaking for this country. He hears your cries. He hears the cry. But I'll tell you, I believe that repentance has to come. The heat is getting turned up. Repentance has to come. I can't get involved in night to day to night to day to week after week worry. I'm going to pray. Say, God, bless America. Bring us to repentance. Do whatever it is you have to do, God. But I'm on the path with you, Lord. I'm in it with you, God. I will pray, but i got to give it to you because the Lord ultimately fights the battles. Can you say amen? amen? I can't be wrapped up in fear. Don't worry. Number three, maintain a sense of humor. This is not, this is not silly or nothing. This is real. You have to maintain a sense of humor. If you don't know a joke, learn a joke. <laughs> Tell a joke, make a joke, smile. Start with that, start there. Don't take yourself too seriously. But, but you have to understand that God wants there to be, you know, there's another uh, fruit of the Spirit is joy. Have some joy about what it is you're doing. And if it goes south, if it goes sour on you and it starts to rain, after you got the drill from Home Depot and all that stuff, laugh. You know, this is funny, this is funny. I cut off the old lady, made it to the Home Depot, was rude to the guy, and now it's raining. I can't use the thing. I get it, God. And that's when God didn't say, shut up and sit down, but he actually said, hey. <laughs> you, need to, you need to get a sense of humor. And then finally, and this kind of goes back to point number one, but include God in everything. Include him in everything. He's with you in the car, at CVS, in the airplane, with your kids, washing dishes. Include him in everything. When you go out your door in the morning, say, it's a beautiful day, Lord. Thank you for this day, Lord. When you start your car, say, hop in, Lord. You know, include God in everything. It's not religious or it's not overly spiritual. It's, it's not any of those things. It's really right. I don't have to be on this path to emptiness. I can sit in the car with God and I'm totally fulfilled. Amen. Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to end with this one verse here. In John chapter 10 verse 9, Jesus said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.